everyone, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosard, as always, with my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, 63 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, 40 seconds away from the 2022 NFL Draft. That's right, and we are kind of moving, shifting gears into com, the combine here coming next week. So a lot of articles, we'll be having previews and a ton of stuff coming out about the combine. The last last major hurdle uh, before the NFL draft, it's, it's coming up. It's gone quick from the Senior Bowl till now, Brian. Nine weeks away from the draft, combines in, what, less than a week? Or no, a little over a week um, yeah. away from the combine, so... Yeah, speaking of the combine, it was in the news uh, for negative reasons. Uh, earlier or late last week, they announced that they were going to place the players in a bubble situation, uh, despite, you know, most of the players already being vaxxed. And, you know, you basically stopped COVID testing during the NFL playoffs and all that. The negative reaction came quickly and swiftly. The NFLPA, in association with when you can get this many agents together, Shane, on one <laughs> on one subject, you know you have done done wrong. And uh, they said, like, "Hey, y'all, keep this up. We're uh, no combine for like half the guys there." And uh, the NFL quickly and swiftly uh, said, "Yeah, we're not going to do that." And I think timing was a big part of that too. I mean, this was two weeks before the combine. Like you can't just change the rules. And if you're even a top 100 player, you want the guy that trained you up on how to run the 40 and what the technique is and, you know, all all your kind of coaches and trainers and your agent to be there with you. It's an important part of the process, especially when you got the pro day coming up. We didn't have a combine last year. Everybody, everybody did just fine. Right. So Hey, maybe maybe I don't have to. I think we actually still see a couple players, maybe not even high end guys, opt out and only do certain things. We always see that every year, but I think maybe we might even have a couple second, third, fourth round players uh, still do that. But ultimately, the combine's back. We're going to be live streaming all four days of the combine uh, with the on field drills, watching it on NFL Network, and giving you our instant analysis. So definitely check back to the YouTube channel and the site to get that um but i'm happy that it's happening 24 hours later that that uh went away yeah our live streams were going to be mighty boring shane if uh half or half to over didn't participate you know i love ej perry uh and everything but if he was the only quarterback throwing the ball it was going to get mighty sad out there (laughs) um Uh, speaking of combine one of the uh one of the best things that uh, comes out of the combine every year is seeing those uh, relative athletic scores pop up, Shane. And uh, it felt like a good time as any to bring in the man who created that. Uh, so let's bring him now. He's the best mustache out there in the uh, in the modern universe today, if we're going to be honest. He is Kent Lee Platt. He is the creator of relative athletic scores. Kent, man, thanks for coming on. Oh, anytime, man. I love I love to coming on with you guys. So, Kit, uh, I met you in person uh, a couple weeks ago at the Senior Bowl, actually at the HBCU Combine, where I literally had to draw a map and uh, Google <laughs> map image to show him how to get into the uh, South Alabama Indoor Complex, so that was fun. So that's a great way to meet somebody for the first time. But, uh, Kit, great it was math, <laughs> not so much the directions. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to see you there for that, and then uh, during uh, – 
the first couple of senior role practices. So uh, good, good to see to finally be able to put that face with the name. <laughs> you as well, man. It's 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 wild. This is my first time going down to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I was hoping to make the combine as well this year, but couldn't make that work. But hopefully next year we'll we'll head down there as well. I, that's a trip. I unless they hold that baby in New Orleans, that's a trip I'm probably not ever gonna make. But uh, Ken, I'll get started with the first question tonight, and just we'll just make it simple here. Just kind of or as simple as we can, I guess. Explain what uh, Raz is to people who may not know what it is, but may see those awesome graphics that you do, but often wondered what it actually is. Yeah, Relative Athletic Scores was created to provide uh, a little bit of context to the metrics that we get at the Combine and the Players Pro Days. You know, we had all these buzzwords that were flying around. A guy, a guy's fat or quick, but not fast. This guy's explosive. This guy's agile. Those are great words and you might know what the word actually means in its own but in the context of the nfl and what that actually means it can mean something very different you know if a guy runs a four or five is that good well if he's a wide receiver it's it's all right it's it's okay it's not going to hurt you it's not a great number but it's not a bad one you run that as a defensive end that's fantastic that's that's good times you know they're different for depending on the position you look you're looking at so um, I created to provide a, it's just a zero to 10 scale for every one of the different metrics. And it, it compares the players to their position group all the way back to 1987, just, just a couple of years after the combine actually started in 1985. Um, it, it does every metric from zero to 10 and then it provide it, it creates a, a composite score, which is also from zero to 10. And what's nice about it is that that final score is evenly distributed uh, across all positions and from zero to 10. So there's the same number of players between zero and one, two and three, four and five, nine and 10. There's the same number of players between any two, two points that are the same, um, which has been really nice for tracking things. Cause you can look at things like, you know, pro bowls and, and how many guys are successful based on their scores there. And you find that the guys who score higher tend to do a lot better in the NFL. Um, it's really nice for tracking when you be able to get that because the individual scores, no matter how you slice them up, they're always going to be on that, that bell curve, real fat in the middle and real wide on the edges. Um, but Raz, that final score is not distributed that way, which makes it real nice for, for math folks trying to do some, some little tricks and some tracking. So, so let, let me ask you, Ken, you know, you brought up, you, if you look at kind of um, the success of these players and you, you can check that out at, at, uh, at the site, right? Raz.football. It's, it's the easiest way. At least I always remember that. I can always remember that, right. Uh, to, to go and you can plug in players and plug ins at Pro Bowls and thousand yard, you know, receiving seasons and things and see those players. Have you, you know, we see that correlation NFL success. How, how kind of correlated do you see, Raz to just the NFL draft and draft capital in general. Um, you know, do you see guys that maybe a lot of us uh, armchair scouts had higher, but then had end up with low Raz score fall a lot um, or vice versa? You know, how does that kind of draft capital usually correlate after the combine and pro days to that? Yeah, and it, it correlates even more to draft capital than it does to any success metric. Teams tend to draft the better athletes really early. They tend to draft guys who test better higher than guys that don't. Um, and that's why you hear about guys that test poorly at the combine falling in the draft because they're, they might've been looked upon highly, but if they don't test well, they tend to slide down draft boards a little bit. Teams want guys with athletic traits. 
Um, it doesn't mean that those players are bad. There's plenty of, of good players that didn't test very well. There's lots of reasons that a player doesn't test well that have nothing to do with even athletic ability. Guy gets hurt. Guy doesn't train very well. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, but I, somebody had asked me this morning about the the average RAS for a player drafted in the first round, which is which is 8.29, I think it was. Um, that's really high. That's 82nd percentile um, drafted in the first round. And last year, it was like 9.3. So it was even higher just last year. So it, it correlates really well. Teams love drafting their high athletes. Um, it tapers off a little bit as you go a little bit further down from first to second round, second to third round. Um, it drops off quite a bit to fourth and fifth round, and then it kind of just levels out. I mean, it's it's basically just dealer's choice. Um, and if you look at most metrics, you're going to see something very similar to that, where the guys that get drafted early tend to have the most success. The guys in the second and third rounds they tend to have you know a little bit more, a little bit less success than the first, and a little bit more success than the day three guys. And then day three, everything kind of falls together in day three. Um, we always like to, to joke that the sixth and seventh rounds are basically just calling dibs on undrafted guys. Um, but it's it's a lot of players that, that go out and test and do well. And the reason you see them jump up draft boards is teams just value those traits. Um, before I get into my question, I, I saw a tweet from you earlier today, and I thought it really stuck out to me. You were quote tweeting something from whatever the 33rd team is. They're, they wrote an article saying, do strong combine performances lead to NFL success, to which you replied, they correlate to success, they aren't a cause. Can you you know elaborate on that a little bit? That was just me being a, a, a math diehard for that. Um, it's You don't want to look at it wrong and and i know that's that's kind of a hard way to put it but you don't want to look at a, a high score and be like oh that guy's going to be good because that doesn't necessarily mean that being a really good athlete doesn't mean you're a really good football player it means you're a really good athlete um really good football players tend to be really good athletes but they're not good football players just because they're good athletes they uh, there's uh, so many more things that go into being a football player and it varies by position uh, one of the guys I always love to point to is Daniel Hunter from the Vikings, who did not have the greatest to take coming out of college. He didn't have the best pass rushing moves. I don't think he had any pass rushing moves. Um, he was considered primarily a run defender, a developmental guy, a project, but he had all these tools and he landed with the perfect coaching staff in Minnesota who were able to coach him up and turn him into a fantastic football player. Those are success stories that you can look to and be like, oh, yeah, guys with high traits, you can you can turn them into something. But there's plenty of guys who test well that don't work out because they, they don't have the stuff above the neckline. They don't uh, – maybe they're injury – they have injury issues that fall into it. Maybe they're just not that good at reading defenses. Maybe they got eye problems. There's all kinds of things that can go, go wrong with a player. But if you have those traits, that's something to build off of. If you don't have that traits – You've got to either find a different way to win, or you've got to find a way to win harder, work harder to work it to, to make it work in that way. Um, so I always like to point out it's it's not that it makes you a better player; it doesn't lead you to being a better player. Um, but the numbers tend to line up; it correlates. So I have to ask about uh, pro days in the combine, and um, I had you on the Debbie Marketplace last year. We talked about this a bit. But, uh, you know, we didn't have a combine last year. We had to take those pro day numbers. 
what what kind of difference do you see between the combine and pro day? Uh, does it mean any different for Raz where these numbers are coming from? Um, and I know, you know, recently you kind of tweeted out that you, you guys started adding some of those unofficial pro day numbers. You could kind of apply those to, um, you brought up the example of Xavier Howard, the Miami Dolphins corner, who did not have a great combine, had a really good pro day. We see that playing out on the field with his athletic ability. Um, do you see a big difference between the numbers between those two things? Does it matter which numbers we're using? Uh, you know, a lot to toss at you there, but basically combine pro day difference. Uh, you know, how, how does that kind of work uh, with the RAS score? Yeah, and this is this is where you have to really look at the math a lot harder than it is to tweet about because yes, it is absolutely true that on average the combine times are worse than pro day times, and that's looking at players who did both because if you're just looking at combine times versus pro day times. That's apples to oranges. It's not a comparison worth making. But looking at players that did both, on average, they did better at their pro day than at their combine. So more than likely, that's due to the differences between using laser timing, which is done at the combine, and hand times, which is was traditionally done at pro days. However, time has passed, and that's not really the case anymore. A lot of schools have adopted using laser timing so they can be more, more accurate. Some schools are actually slower at their pro day than they are at the combine. Um, the easiest example is Ohio State. Ohio State, on average, players will run slower at their pro day than the combine if they run both. So when you're applying like a blanket, you know, add plus 0 0.07, which I think is the difference in, between skill positions is 0 0.07. If you're just saying just add that on to the time for a pro day time, I don't believe that's fair. Because it depends on which school you're going to, what timing they used. And we can't equally apply that across the board because it's not. Now, is there a good solution to it? No, there is not. There is no, there's no good way to be like, well, this is the difference between them. These are the schools that are different because we just don't have the data. Um, we don't have the hundreds of players that we would have to run both at the combine and at the pro day to get a baseline for every school in NCAA and be able to pull that stuff together. We don't have that kind of stuff. I know because I would love that kind of stuff and it would make me very happy if it existed. It, it doesn't. That's, uh, is there any truth to the rumor that LSU runs 38 yard forties? Is that true? <laughs> LSU is one of the schools that tended to have much faster times uh, in their pro day than their, their, their uh, combines. Um, Iowa, the University of Michigan, um, Ohio State before uh, I think it was 2016 or something like that when they started using laser timing. Um, before that, Ohio State had that reputation too, and now it's completely opposite. So, um, yeah, they they it's the 38 38 yard 40 downhill that, that they would run. <laughs> um, what positions do you see? that where Raz seems to be the more important to it, to them, you know, as far as an onus for success and which positions show up as, eh, it doesn't really matter. So tight end is the easiest position to point to. There has never been a tight end drafted in the first round who had a Raz below five, which is average. So bottom 50% has never happened in 36, 36 years that we have of draft data. Um, uh, offensive tack tackle is one that has shown up for a lot. We do have some really big outliers at offensive tackle. 
uh, Orlando Brown being the most recent one. But by and large, offensive tackle is one of the most athletically driven positions uh, in the entire NFL. And consequently, defensive end edge rushers is also extremely reliant on guys that have athletic traits. Uh, the biggest one, though, is is always been tight end. And it's not just guys that get drafted. Guys who find NFL success tend to be the most athletic guys. Guys without athletic traits tend to not do that well, tend to either fail hard or fail early. Um, so it's never a good sign for me when I see a tight end that doesn't test very well. Um, and if it's an offensive tackle, I, there's a lot of other stuff that you got to look at to see what's going on there. Um, Orlando Brown was a great example, not just because he tested – one of the worst combines ever, um, like very close to the worst combine any offensive tackle has ever put up. Um, so not just because of that, but because when he was asked about that question over the last couple of years, he's, he has articulated very well why he believes that kind of stuff doesn't matter in his case. The types of things that he does, how he wins on the football field, are not necessarily driven by the same types of things that every other offensive tackle wins by. Um, he uses his length in more than he uses his explosiveness. He uses his understanding of where guys are going to be to try to get ahead of them, figure out where they're going to be. You know, finding those, those ways that he wins is more important than just meeting a couple of numbers on a page. And if you have a guy that doesn't test well and is still successful, those are the things you start looking for. Why was he successful? What, what is he doing differently? Is he doing anything differently? Because I think that's how you find who those outliers are, who the guys you can still bet on, even if they're in a position that traditionally has to test well to be successful. Is there is there any position like what's kind of the other end? What position? What are some positions that maybe uh, it's not it's not as important, or is there is there anywhere it's not important much at all? So mathematically speaking, it matters for quarterback. Realistically speaking, I I don't think it matters. Um, I mean, my math, my math says it does. My numbers say that it does, but I don't feel that it does. So many things at quarterback are dependent on things other than how you test and how you move that I don't feel like it's a reliable indicator, even though that's what the math tells me, right? I, I, I don't feel like it's a reliable indicator. Um, and everybody loves to point to Tom Brady because Tom Brady you know, tested like garbage and was drafted in the sixth round. Um, but he's not the only one. Matthew Stafford barely tested above average. You know, it's it's not everybody has to test all that well quarterback because you're not going to be doing a whole lot of those things unless you're a runner. So if you're a mobile quarterback, maybe pay more attention to it. Um, if he's not, it probably doesn't matter all that much. Um, the big one for me is and for those of you that follow me, will definitely know this one, which is just center. I have no idea what's going on at center. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what makes a good center. Um, I prefer athletic guys myself just because in general, I like to see offensive linemen who can move in space. Um, that's just a personal preference that has nothing to do with my numbers or tracking. And my numbers show a, a, a mild enough correlation. There is a correlation, but it's small enough that it's pretty pretty much meaningless. So I have no idea what's going on at center. <laughs> well, you mentioned quarterbacks, and and most of the guys like you spoke of, hell, they don't even test anymore. Lamar Jackson just refused to do anything. Yeah. Uh, nobody's questioning his athleticism, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 I hate that trend. I hate that trend. You know, we didn't get Trey Lance. We didn't get Kyler Murray. You know, I, I hate that trend um, personally. As as a, a, a person who understands the draft, I totally understand why they did it. 
Um, I believe that they made the right choice in doing so, but I hate it because <laughs> I want the numbers. I want them. I want them all to test. Without putting you on the spot, did Mike did Mike Vick test? I don't. I don't even. I don't remember. Vick ran the forty. Um, he didn't do. I think any of the other testing. I think he just ran the forty. Um, I don't even remember if I have that uh, recorded because this is back in two thousand one. Anything prior to two thousand and five gets really dodgy. Oh, he did the vertical. He did the vertical and he ran the 40. But he didn't he didn't test anything else. And yes, those were really good scores, as you'd expect. He's a very <laughs> explosive and fast guy. Go ahead, Shane. Oh yeah. Uh so let me let me ask you about size. So, you know, one of the things I really like about Raz more than just, oh, here's the numbers, these are good, these are bad, is that you know, you take the size of the player right into account. Cause I think, you know, um, being a fantasy guy and knowing a lot of the fantasy football guys out there, it's like, you see a four, four and you see a four, six for a running back and you know, Hey, the four, four is better. Um, can you, can you go a little more detail, I guess, in how size is kind of calculated within this and how, you know, that really drives, um, drives a lot of things, or is it more just based on position than size? So every other metric is really easy because if you get a better 40 yard dash, that's better. Right? It's, it's always better to run faster. It's always better to jump higher. It's always ready to be better to be quicker. With size, you're not looking for better. You're looking for ideal. And there's no way to do that within the, const within the constraints of something like RAS. So I didn't try. Uh, what I did instead is I used the same type of method where bigger is better in this instance for size. Um, and just use that to weight the other scores. So instead of saying you want to have the bigger guy full stop, period, um, it's added into the final score, just like all the other metrics are, and it helps to weight all of those other metrics. So a player who runs a 4.6 at 6.4, 250 is probably going to score better than a player who runs a 4.6 at 6.1, 212, you know? The, that act adds to his score by giving him something that makes it a little bit more impressive. Um, now, it also helps because players who run a 4.6 versus a 4.4, if you run a 4.4, but you're 5.9 and a buck 70, and you run a 4.6 and you're 6.2, 240 as a running back, I'm not sure that 4.4 is as impressive as the 4.6 in a lot of instances because running a 4.6 at that size is very impressive. And Raz helps to do that. It is not perfect. I don't think there is a perfect way to wait for, for size. Um, but I think it does a really good job of applying a size weighting to the final score. Um, bench press, you, you, you do put that on your Raz sheets, but did, does that actually matter? <laughs> So this is one of those things where I, I could give you the math of how it does or doesn't in each instance, but I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it can be evenly applied across all positions because it's just so reliant on basic physics guys with longer arms and a, and a wider frame bench press less than guys with a smaller frame and shorter arms. It is not the greatest measurement of strength, in my opinion. I think there's there's a lot of different ways. And folks that I've talked to who do personal training, who uh, even work folks that work in orthopedics, there's there's so many better ways to measure actual physical strength and even just upper body strength than doing a bench press. Um, to me, 
I, I like the guys who have long arms who bench well. Um, I like the guys – I don't like the guys who have short arms and don't because that's that's something that's working for or against you, and you're either overcoming it or you're, you're doing worse. And and I that's that's such a specific thing. It's hard to apply to something like Raz, which is, is just based on the numbers themselves. So, again, I don't. If you have a good bench, it, it helps you. If you don't, then it doesn't. Um, a lot of players just stop doing it. I don't think quarterbacks ever do bench anymore. Um, a lot of it to me is just it, it shows uh, weight room discipline for players. So all of this stuff is not score related. This is just when you're actually looking at the player themselves. Um, weight room discipline is one of those things that that you, you talk about when you're talking about a player's character and, and if they love the game and things like that. Uh, if a guy at least hits a baseline level for his bench press, then you can tell that he doesn't, he, he actually does it. He might not be a gym rat, but you know that he's at least putting in the work, right? He's not slacking off and not doing it. When you have a guy that can't do even the most basic bench, maybe he even gets winded while he's trying to do it, then it might not even be a strength issue. It might just be a conditioning issue. It might just be a guy who just doesn't care enough to go into the bench and put in the work. Um, but again, all of that stuff doesn't really show up in the numbers. It's just it's just stuff that you can gain by looking at it. As a measurement of strength, there's way better, way better ways to do it. Kind of a follow-up, I guess. Do you ever get worried that they're gonna change some of these uh, you know, some of the drills and measurements and distances? You know, I, I think there's starting to be a little more buzz of changing the combine in some ways. Bench press probably would be a probably a decent start, but uh, do you ever, do you ever worry about that? Would that completely screw things up or do you, you, you have some emergency, you know, bunker playing out there, uh, what to do? <laughs> it's the same thing with GPS. You know, if, if we have the data for GPS, then it's a pretty smooth transition to just say, okay, we're going to use GPS for speed now. Um, but we don't, and I'm not sure with the way the NFL has been trending, if we'll get that. I'm hopeful that the NFL switches up how they do all of their drills, every single one of them. We could redo every single drill tomorrow, and the NFL will be better off. Um, I'm, I, I'm actually writing a piece for, for Pro Football Network on the ways we can change it. Um, it's, it's taking a while because it's, it's more research. It's not just, I would like to do this. It's, it's looking up the actual methods and finding the best ways. But um, I think every drill should be changed. Would Raz go away? Yes, Raz would go away, and I would be very bored at certain parts of the offseason and try to find something else to occupy my time. Um, but I think it would be a lot better use of the players' time, the NFL's time. I think we would get a lot more out of it if they redid every single drill at the Combine. It just makes me sad just <laughs> thinking about it. Um, so let's, let's look ahead to the Combine now, and – You've kind of you've been tweeting out some uh, numbers based off like like numbers you that we got from the Freaks article from Bruce Feldman, and what we are you're expecting some of these players based on that. Who are some of the players you're expecting just to straight up light it up next week? Oh, Boye Mafe from Minnesota is a pass rusher. Um, you saw him down at the Senior Bowl just ripping everything up. Um, he came into the season with that whole, well, can he put it all together? Can he make all these athletic traits work? Uh, and he showed a lot of improvement this season. When he went up to the Senior Bowl, he was one of the best pass rushers there. He's one of the best players on the field there. He went out into the game and then continued to show that he's that guy. He can do that. 
Um, you're talking about a big pass rusher who's probably going to run in the four fours, low four fives. He is a ridiculous athlete. Um, I think he's jumped, uh, I think it was 41 inches. He's, he's had some ridiculous vert and broad. Uh, he's going to light up the the combine like it's nobody's business. Um, Daxton Hill from Michigan is another guy that I think is going to light it up. Another guy that has all the tools. Um, you know, he he's done it before and there's a little bit of an elephant element of uh, uh, Michigan stopwatches that that goes into some of that stuff. Uh, Michigan has some some notoriously fast spring times that they like to give people uh, quitty pay running like a six three seven cone and and things like that. Um, I don't think teams need to do that. Some of these guys are ridiculous athletes. You don't have to exaggerate it. Um, but Daxton Hill has all of those traits. He's fast. He's explosive. He's quick. Um, I think he's going to light up the combine like like nobody else at the defensive back positions. And you, it's in a draft where you have Kyle Hamilton, who's also going to do the same type of thing. Um, we saw Travis Jones down at the, the, the Senior Bowl, another guy who should not be able to move as the way that he does for as big as he is. Um, big guys don't move like that. And then occasionally they do. And I don't know how it happens, but I'm, I'm excited for it. Every time we see a big guy uh, that's able to get there and, and tear it up. Um, Desmond Ritter at quarterback, I think is going to run really well. I think he's going to put a really good 40 yard dash, um, probably really good explosive times. I'm not hundred percent sold on how he'll do on the agility drills. The more I watch him, uh, but I feel like his 40 time is going to be really good. Probably four fives. Um, Who's another one? Um, Kenny Pickett. I'm not sure Kenny Pickett's going to test all that great in the 40-yard dash, but he might have the best cones dr drill of all of the quarterbacks at the combine and potentially better than a significant amount of the running backs at the combine. Um, Kenny Pickett has a very weird, fluid lower body, the way that he moves, the way that he's able to bend and contort his body when he's adjusting to pressure. Um, and that usually translates to a really good cone time. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that one. Um, there's a lot of guys. It's a good draft. It's a good draft for athletes. Look, we, we saw that fake slide from Kenny Pickett. I, I think yeah. that's got to be worth worth some time in the, in the agility drills. Any any shot that Malik Willis, we, we, yeah. we get a 40 time for him. Yeah, and, and Malik Willis is one of those guys I think might not test. Um, I, of course, want him to. But that's his. That's one of his biggest biggest advantages is how athletic he is, and he might come into the combine with his agent in his ear telling him, "You don't need to test in the combine. You can just do the passing drills. Save all your energy and effort for that, and don't do it." Um, a lot of guys have been doing that lately, to my chagrin, as we mentioned before. Um, if anybody does it, it would be Malik Willis. Um, Carson Strong might skip because of his knee. There's a lot of guys that might skip because of injuries, but. Uh, Malik Willis might just opt out because he doesn't really have to prove that he's a good athlete. We all know that he is on tape. Yeah. Um, he, he could also do what uh, Kyler Murray does or did, which is just say that he ran a four, three, eight and then never run and just keep repeating it. Just keep repeating it over and over again. And that, that becomes your 40 time. Love it. Last question for me and I'll let Shane get one more in, then we'll let you go. Uh, Penn State has notoriously these last five, six years dominated this event. Who are some of the guys maybe from Penn State that you're expecting might have uh, 
some big days. Orishid Walker is going to be the guy that that you're going to have uh, a lot of eyes on because he's a good player. Um, in in addition to the fact that he's probably a really good athlete, um, you want to see those guys go out and and rip it up, and I'm sure that that he will. Um, I did post about um, Jesse Lakita um, because he had done some some pre combine testing and he tested really really well. Um, you might have seen Marcus Mosher post about that. He was the one that got the numbers for me. Um, so Jesse Lakita is a guy I think could come out and, and rip it up. Brandon Smith is probably going to test really well. Jahan Dotson's one of those guys. Um, you might you might have heard me call call a guy a straight line athlete. Um, you know, I, I created Raz to get away from a lot of those buzzwords, and all I ended up doing is creating other ones. Um, <laughs> But Jahan Dotson's a guy I think will run a really good 40-yard dash. I think he's going to have uh, above average to really good explosion drills. I don't know that his agility drills are going to be quite as good. Um, it's sometimes hard to tell the difference between a player who's explosive and a player who's quick and agile because it can sometimes look like the same thing depending on how the player is using their body to move. Um, but I think he'll test really well. Uh, the big ones, though, are going to be Rashid Walker, Jesse Lakita. Uh, Arnold Ebiketti, um, who also had a really good uh, senior bowl when he was down there. Um, I haven't watched enough of Jaquan Brisker to to get an idea of how he'll test, but the little bit that I have seen suggests that he'll probably test pretty well. Penn State just has a ridiculous strength and conditioning program. It's it's kind of insane. All right, last one, and uh, of course I'm going to let my fantasy side come out. The, these running backs, I, ha I have some fear that we're just not going to get like super athletic running backs. Is there, am I wrong? Is, just tell me, tell me that the light is much better than I think it's going to be. So it's one of those years where I can't really tell you that you're, you're wrong because I don't, I don't feel like this is a super athletic running back class. I don't, I don't think we're going to get the type of ridiculous athletes that we've seen in the past. Um, I don't think we're going to get a bunch of bad athletes either. I don't think this is going to be a poor testing class. Um, but you've got a lot of really good guys, really good players in this class who get drafted in you know mid-day two, early day three, who are probably going to have a lot of impact in the NFL. But you don't really have these you know blowed up athletes like we've had in some some recent years. Um, you know, Brian Robinson's one of the big guys from Alabama, but he's a bigger dude. Bigger guys don't usually test all that well. You know, we had Derrick Henry a few years back who tore it up, but you don't usually get that with bigger guys. And you're just looking for, can he hit a baseline? Can he hit that, that speed I expect him to and a little bit of explosiveness? When you're that big, agility doesn't mean all that much. Um, but you want to get a, a bigger explosive guy. Um, and of course you got, you know, Kenneth Walker and people are going to have a lot of eyes on him because that was one of the big questions is, is he going to be fast enough? Is he going to be explosive enough to play in the NFL? Um, personally, I think those are ridiculous questions after watching him play, but whenever you have those questions, you got to come out and show it. Um, but there, we don't have a whole lot of super ridiculous athletes at running back in this class. Um, even though I think there's a lot of really good players. Well, Kent, we uh we thank you for your generous time this evening and uh, explaining to all of our listeners out there why Raz is important, and we hope that they don't. I hope that they don't change anything so it doesn't go away. 
my my hope is that they take all of the suggestions I'm going to make and then they still do the drills. They find a way to safely do all the drills so I can keep doing the numbers and, and keep it all going. Maybe they'll just hire me. <laughs> that would, that that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kent, th right. thanks for your time. Yeah, tonight, thanks, man. Man. And, uh, tell everybody where they can find everything that you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. You already mentioned the website, ras.football. Uh, it's for relative athletic scores. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at MathBomb. Um, you can check out the Mock Draft Simulator at Pro Football Network. I also do that. Um, so you can check that out. You can find me on the website at Raz.Football or hit me up on Twitter. I'm always responding to people on Twitter. So if you if you have questions, just hit me up on there at MathBomb. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. That was Kent Lee Platt from Raz.Football. Follow him on Twitter at MathBomb. Good stuff there, Shane. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's great, and I'll have an article tomorrow, kind of outlining in a much worse way what he just, what he just talked about. I'll link to the podcast, but um, but I, I think Raz is such a Raz is such a good tool uh, if you're out there for the draft to use. It certainly is. I started using it a couple of years ago uh, for my in in my draft rankings, and I, I became I think better for it. Um, it's good stuff there. Definitely. Cause I, I found myself over just, just basically what he said. And, but I would see a player that I really liked on tape. And then despite them being a poor athlete, I did not adjust to that and ended up getting burned for it. So I, I think it's something that, like he said, it doesn't have to, it doesn't make it so, but it helps. Right. It certainly can't hurt to be a better athlete. So that's uh, great. Well, there are some athletic questions, I think, uh, that came up this week with our consensus board came out, Shane. We both released our big board this week. And I'm just going to stick to two positions when we talk about some uh, some anomalies here, uh, differences between us. And we'll start with the defensive line position, Shane. And two big notable differences here is I am – apparently much higher on two of these interior defensive line prospects than you are. We kind of briefly touched on it last week, but DeMarvin Leal, who is suddenly seems to be plummeting uh, in the draft world outside of everybody, but me, I guess uh, I have him as seven overall. You have him at 34 and Jordan Davis, uh, Georgia. I have him at 11. You have him at 40. So I seem to be slow to adjust to what it it may be some not I don't say unathletic, but maybe more of some run pluggers than they are pass rush, and you seem to be more adjusting to that. I, I think it's just such a tough thing for rankings. Is like Jordan Davis is a really really good player. I think he's going to be a great NFL player, but he's probably a two down player um, if he's not in the right scheme. So like, what do you do? Yeah, like where, where do you put him? Because I, I I don't think you're wrong. Like I think you could have him at eleven. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, I I think if you like him, like leave him there. I had him pretty high for a while, and then you know, man. I mean, I guess I would rather have a Trayvon Walker, or I would rather have um, you know, a, a Perrin Winfrey or Travis Jones. Like just just give me those bigger athletes a little bit more. Uh, and and I mentioned Leal last week, uh, if, if you didn't listen, just going back and watching him a little bit more, 
Um, I, I do just have questions on if he's truly dominant. I think he's a good player. Once again, if he falls late, I think someone's going to get a steal. Um, but, you know, having him just outside my top 32, I, I think is fair. Uh, but I don't know. Like, once again, I think both those guys are going to be good. So I almost, I, I almost feel like I have him too low. Uh, and I think it's such a tough balance to make this time of year. I think I brought it up maybe last week or some other time when we were talking about Jordan Davis, and I just I can't shake the idea out of my head that Dexter Lawrence, who I think is a less athletic Jordan Davis, went in the top fifteen. So, but again, like I said, Dave Gettleman's no longer a GM in the NFL, so <laughs> so, uh, so maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> some other some other differences. And one, I, I'm just going to get a kick out of. So yeah. I'll save that one for in a minute. But uh, basically, we had two different players in the same spot almost, but opposite ends of the spectrum here. Arnold Ebiketti, number 60 on your board, 107 on mine. No, no, I'm sorry. Number 60 on your board, 100 on mine. Majay Sanders from Cincinnati, 107 on your board, 52 on mine. So you're higher on Ebiketti, and then I'll talk about Sanders. I, I just think Ebiketti uh, kind of like you you mentioned the Penn State question with uh, with Kent. I, I think he's going to be a really good athlete. Um, and I think that maybe this is – I'm interested to hear your take because I, I think maybe this is a symptom of not being at the Senior Bowl perhaps. Like Ebiketti did not have a great Senior Bowl week, I don't think. But um, I think when you watch Penn State's defense, he's, he's like far and away – the best front seven player that they had. Um, so I, I do think that pass rush abilities there. I think he's going to test really well, uh, pretty raw, but I feel better about saying, okay, Arnold Ebiketti has the potential to be a high end NFL player if he has the right development. So um, another kind of tricky player to, to categorize. And uh, I'll let you take it with my Jay Sanders, who I always feel like I have too low, but I can never feel like I can bump them up. Uh, it's a tough one. It's because you're constantly distracted by Darian Beavers every time you watch. Cincinnati I love Darian and you, Beavers, and you can't, yes. and you can't, you can't see Majay Sanders. <laughs> um, I thought he. I mean, going back to the uh, playoff game last, not the playoff game, the Peach Bowl last year against Georgia. I mean, the way he handled himself in that game, I thought was uh, he did okay. And then at the Senior Bowl, you could see that speed to power that he had, especially when he just bulldogged uh, Abraham Lucas on that first day of practice uh, out there. Sanders, Sanders to me is, I think his size may be what might knock him down into that third round area. But I, I think if he was maybe a couple inches taller, or maybe I might be confusing him. I, I don't have his number. Well, yes, I do. Hold on. Let's see. He was listed at. Six five. So I'm never mind. Forget what I said. But uh, I, I think that might be, you know, the thing. You know, maybe he gets pushed down a little bit. Maybe just the sheer number of edge guys that go ahead uh, pushes him down a little bit further than the 52 I have him. But I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to go on that first two days. I, I tend to agree too, which would make mine a little bit low. But uh, and I think he could go pretty high in the second round. I think this combine will also help in this edge class really get a feel for you know who has that athleticism like ken talked about it's a position where that's important it really matters <laughs> yeah right um not to get off the subject but he, he mentioned daniel hunter 
and we were you were talking about Ebiketti. Jesse Lakita, who didn't really rush the edge much at Penn State, but is he a guy that could be in that Daniil Hunter mix where he's going to te- he test so well that you know he doesn't have the production in college, but all of a sudden you know becomes that guy in the NFL? I think it's possible. I, I just thought Lakita looked better than Ebiketti at the Senior Bowl for the majority of that of the week, um, so. I, th- I think it's possible that Lakita, you're playing with other good athletes who are in positions to to blitz. You know that I, I think Lakita could ultimately um, have some more success in the NFL, maybe more than college, where Ebiketti and Brandon Smith and these guys had a little more of the the oomph from Penn State, to put it. Um, last guy we'll talk about here, and I said it was surprising because. If one person's going to have a South Carolina player rated higher, you would think it would be me. But in this case, it is not. Kingsley and Igbare, I have 33rd, which is borderline first round, you know, early second round grade. I talked to him uh, that this morning on the uh, daily uh, fantasy podcast there with uh, Dwight Peoples, which was fun. Talked all, all about Igbare, but you have him 10th, Jane. I mean, I love it. Uh, look, it's it's too high. I, I I probably should have dropped him down further. But he, here's here's what gets me is I I have him above edge rushers that are going to go around higher than him, and I still firmly believe that. So it's one of those situations where okay, do I rank kind of more what I think, right? Where I th- I think Kingsley and Barry should be a first round pick. I think you should be a mid first round pick. He's probably going to fall to that early second and be a steal. So where do you rank him? Do you ultimately put him higher if I think he's going to be that good? I think it's one situation if the, you know, the combine and the measurables all line up, I'm probably going to keep him relatively high, maybe not 10 overall, but I'll probably keep him in the top 20. Um, Cause I, I think the motor and I think working against the offensive lineman that he worked I don't know. I don't see um, an issue there. And I, you know, I'll, I'll say it now. Like, I think he's probably going to be a better player than Trayvon Walker um, in the NFL. And Trayvon Walker is going to go around above him. So maybe, maybe it's a bold statement about when you're Gamecocks that I like a lot. We we might need to vault that one, Shane. Yeah. Put that on or submit that one to Old Takes Exposed there, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love Enigbari as a player. I just, I, I, I think the testing, I don't know that he's going to test as well as definitely not going to test as, I don't think he's going to test as well as Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Carl Aftis, Jermaine Johnson, Ajabo, Mafe. I don't think he's going to test as high as any of those guys. And I think that's what's going to push him into that mid second, mid to late second. Yeah. Um, but I love Enigbari. Uh, had a chance to talk to him. Uh, at the senior bowl and he's a great kid. So I, and I'm always going to pull for those guys to succeed in the NFL unless, you know, they play a certain team on Sunday, but that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, one of the leaders in the industry now, Daniel Jeremiah for NFL network. He, uh, he makes news when he puts out his mock draft, Shane. Uh, and he made some news this week with, he had some names going to higher than, anybody else has had up to this point. And I'm just going to go through quickly and 
get your take on some of these landing spots and where he had these guys. Trayvon Walker, who we just mentioned, who you think is not going to be as good a player as Kingsley and Igbare, fifth overall to the New York Giants. It is a little wild, but I, I can see it. Um, I feel like that someone in that Georgia front seven has to go really high, and Trayvon Walker is probably that player. Versatility, athleticism, edge rushing ability. He kind of has all of that. Five feels high right now, but you know, once after the combine, we might be saying, uh, hey, can he compete for a top, you know, top four spot? Um, because I think he's gonna test really well, come in well and comp to Hutchinson Thibodeau. I think he could be in that conversation. So yeah, I actually think it's a little smart. It's it's pretty wild, and I think maybe we're all there in uh in a couple weeks. We all we both love Trevor Penning. We both talked we about him a lot. Sixth overall to the Carolina Panthers in DJ's mock draft. Whew. Like I, I I thought I was having him go too high, like twelve. You know, I was like, oh man, like that feels high. Um, six is spicy because if he had come into the Senior Bowl and I think just dominated, snap one to the end of the week. Awesome. You know, then then we're there. Maybe he could be offensive tackle three. He struggled a bit early on. I thought he was a little inconsistent, you know, and didn't really correct that. Um, and maybe his testing will be great, but I think the other top guys' testings will be great. So I, I don't think it'll help him too much. That's that's rich for my blood. As much as Carolina needs an offensive tackle, that is oof, that is high. A concern that's been raised about pinning here since the senior bowl. And since his exploits there, while fun to watch, Penning was the most or one of the most penalized offensive linemen by whoever was tracking this, tracked it. And like he averaged like a penalty a game. Oof. That's not yeah. good. No. Nah. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, speaking of players that we loved at one point, Drake London. Wide receiver one, seven overall to the New York Giants. That 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 is wild. Um, that's kind of wild to me. And I I don't know if we're gonna mention it, but uh, you know Traylon Burks was well down the the list 25th. in the first round. I, I did not have it written down, but they twenty fifth no. to Buffalo, which is which is pretty crazy, right? Like you you flop those, and then we could see something. I, I think. I think maybe we as a draft community are too low on Drake London. Um, if he had not gotten hurt, this is this is probably a real, you know, real possibility there. Um, but ultimately this it feels high when you have a guy like Traylon Burks who's was healthy and athletic that could make that jump. He has Kayvon Thibodeau going eighth to Atlanta. What a steal that would be for the Falcons, right? Every mock I do, I always write. They seem like they've needed an edge rusher for um, forever. So that would—I mean—that'd be a dream. I, it could happen. It could happen. Um, you know, they could definitely. If I think Thibodeau could fall off the field concerns, see how the workouts go, see what he weighs in at. It could happen, and if so, I think someone's going to get a steal. Um, first interior lineman off the board, eleven to Washington, Kenyon Green. Texas A&M, uh, I mean, they're going to have to replace Brendan Scherf or Brandon Scherf. 
uh, for sure, we believe. Uh, is that is that too rich for the guard? I think it's just a little rich for the position. Like, I like Kenyon Green a lot. I've been kind of dropping him a little bit because those, you know, interior linemen seem to fall. But now I'm like, oh, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. Get him and, and Zion up there a little bit. That, but that, that's high for a guard. That's not Quentin Nelson. Trent McDuffie, second corner off the board. I, I, th- I think that's that's trending that way. It still surprises me. I still – I don't – I like Kyler Gordon more. I, I think Trent McDuffie is going to be the better athlete, uh, which I think you said a couple weeks ago. You're probably right. But, uh, yeah, I think he's on the rise and probably a top 15 pick at this point um, in my next mock, which is weird. Yeah, it just feels – Feels weird now. Cornerback two, someone's all right. Someone's out the, out of there. Um, well, Sauce Sauce was QB one, and then Stingley went like one or two picks right after this, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean that. I, it could happen. I think it'd be a big mistake though to take McDuffie over Stingley, but that's me. The first quarterback doesn't come off the board in his mock draft until pick eighteen to New Orleans. Kenny Pickett. You like that fit? I I love that fit. I think I had that in my mock as well. Not the first quarterback off the board, but pick it there. I feel like I feel like it's what should happen, but not what will happen, right? Like those quarterbacks probably shouldn't go much earlier than eighteen, but they will. You're 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 absolutely correct. Uh, Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, everybody's connecting them dots. Malik Willis to Pittsburgh. I think if he's there at 20, they take him. I don't know if he's there at 20. Do they they're gonna trade up for him, aren't they? No, no. I I, I, I don't I don't think Kevin Colbert in his last his last draft is gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna give up your next two drafts. There you go, guys. Good luck. You know, then retires the next day. Um what what I've been saying about the Steelers is we're gonna know exactly what they're gonna do. Because they're either going to sign a free agent and fill up all three quarterback spots, or they're not, and they're going to draft someone. We're going to know weeks before if they're going to draft a quarterback. So we'll, we'll figure that one out. But Malik Bills 20, as a Steelers fan, sign me up. I'm, I'm in. Kevin Colbert got that uh, folded up uh, sticky note. Malik Willis, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, like if he could pull the old trade up to trade down, I'm, I'm, I'm in. That's never happened. So uh, and- in the same day. Must make a note about the Bengals pick in his mock draft. Bernard Raymond, the offensive tackle, Central Michigan, 31 to the Bengals. Uh, I was I would have been there a month and a half ago. Yeah. I'm not there anymore. Uh, Bernard Raymond pick 63. I don't, I don't I'm not I'm not there at 31. Uh 20 be a 25-year-old rookie. Um Uh, no, I'm I'm out. Um, briefly, Shane, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this. Uh, the USFL is back, and they've held their draft over the past couple of days. Uh, did it a little weird. They had 35 rounds, I believe, and they drafted a certain position in each round, which I didn't mind that to be honest. But uh, any any anything for you? No, uh, no. Um, I, I figured out that Occidental College was a real place. Um, someone drafted a quarterback that 
never had an NFL shot uh, there. So I think he had a mini camp with someone at some point. So it was just, it was a wild, uh, wild ride for between like guys that had been drafted in the fourth, fifth round that flamed out. Um, Clayton Thorson, the quarterback Northwestern to guys that never had any shot. Um, so it's going to, I think it's going to be fun. More fun. I'm, I'm for more football. I don't care if it's good football, uh, bad football. I just think USFL rosters aren't bad outside the quarterbacks just you know that's a problem with these leagues there's not enough for the nfl let alone to take the full nfl roster of qbs and then go the next step um so yeah but uh michigan drafting shea patterson number one was was a way to start it's our way to kick things off let me tell you there's a funny uh a funny note on that uh a couple of seasons ago, we had a little Grapeco podcast like we did uh, before the Senior Bowl. And one of the questions that I asked was, who would be the first player on the Senior Bowl roster that signed up, that entered the uh, XFL? Because that was the, they were coming back there. Shea Patterson was one of the, uh, <laughs> one of the choices on there. He was so bad. Not too uh, far pa- off. Not too far off. Paxton Lynch, though. Hey, former first round pick uh, also. Was he, did, did he get drafted by the, was it Michigan or no? No, I can't remember what team drafted. It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, good luck he, to he, all those guys. He wasn't even a first round pick. That was all quarterbacks. He, Paxton Lynch could even crack a starting, a starting QB spot. In the USFL. Yeah, I heard someone say that they dra- the Michigan Panthers drafted Shea Patterson to sell tickets. They're playing all the games in Birmingham. Shea Patterson ain't selling no tickets in Birmingham. Right. Anyway, he ain't selling no tickets in Michigan. Wolverines travel, you know. <laughs> sure do. So that's enough, US. So good luck to everybody. Like yeah. I said, I want to yeah, see one fun. of these leagues make it at least multiple years for once, just once, just last more than a year. And uh, we'll see. We've got a we've got a lot of questions in the uh, chat and on the Twitter, so we'll uh, we'll start with the uh, Twitter questions first because we had let's see Daniel Flick at D Flick Draft who's going to be our guest next week on the podcast. We're going to talk oh. Falcons because uh, they are the most one of the most interesting teams in the top ten to me. Uh, what what they may do. Uh, as much as we can't keep trying to say edge rusher, I think there's a lot of crazy stuff can happen with them with wide receiver, quarterback. Anyway, we're going to talk to Daniel Flick about that next week. But he asked, best guesses, who raises their stock at the most at the combine? Uh, Kent actually responded to that. I'll run off his names, and then we can, we can discuss that. Uh, Kent replied, Boye Mafe, Daxton Hill, which he said, Kenneth Walker, David Ajabo, which I think is going to test well. Drake London, is he going to test or is he? I guess we'll find out. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Alec Pierce, uh, who I thought was steam was gaining at the Senior Bowl and it kind of leveled off, maybe even went down a little bit. Isaiah Likely, who I've been pumping up here now for a while, I think he's going to blow it away. Yeah, I, I think he'll he'll have a good one. Alec Pierce is an interesting one. You know, I'm still pulling for my man uh, Christian Watson. I think he'll have a good uh, follow up to the Senior Bowl. I think his RAS score, especially, will be pretty good. Um, like running back wise, I kind of think Kenneth Walker, uh, who 
Ken talked about a little bit, I think will surprise. I think he'll be pretty good. Maybe weight-wise he won't be. Uh, but I think outside of that, he's going to do well. And, yeah, I think this the safety class, Kyle Hamilton, Daxton Hill, uh, I think we even see uh, uh, Veron McKinley test. Jaquan Brisker is going to test off the charts. Penn State again, <laughs> I guess. Um, so th- those are guys I'm looking for. So, you know, the receivers, Name to watch I there. I heard so much about Jalen Petrie. Oh, yeah. That's going to test too. really well. And you were – we know about the Jalen Peacher here, so we don't need to repeat that around here anymore. But that guy was great at the Senior Bowl, and yeah. he shot up my rankings like huge. He's now my safety four. Um, if he, if you told me he tested so well and ended up going to the back end of the first round, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at this point. I, I think <laughs> Petrie's rising that much. Um, next question on Twitter from Sean Torres at SP Torres Seven. How many edge rushers could go in round one, Shane? Ooh, um, I think I think the the could like the absolute maximum number uh, would be seven. Like I, I don't think we're gonna get more than seven. That's absolute ceiling. I think we end up falling at six. I, I think we find a way to get a sixth one in there. Maybe it's Boy Mafe. Maybe, you know, maybe Anikbari sneaks in. Maybe, you know, uh, but I think uh, I think a sixth guy is going to pop up at some point. I think five is the floor. I'm with you. Uh, Thibodeau and Hutchinson, Carl Aftis, uh, Ojabo, and Jermaine Johnson. I think those are your five that I, I would be shocked if one of them fell out. Mafe, I think, is going to be the guy that's going to be the sixth uh, after the combine and after his great senior bowl. Um Seven probably max with a with somebody like Inigbare or you know somebody crazy like I, I I hope the Cameron Thomas hype train has died off a little bit because that was getting out of control there for a little while. But and um, I'll I'll say a guy like Trayvon Walker we have a, a D line you know I mean obviously he's going to go in the first round but yeah so add one if you want to toss him in there. yeah um let's see. Last Twitter question here, and this is all you, big dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zachary Staten at Z Staten Lex KY. So Kentucky fan here. Uh, right, player no. comps for Darian Oof. Kennard, Josh Pascal, Yusuf Corker. Like, wow. Uh, <laughs> look, at some point, I'm going to have player comp articles. I'm waiting till after the combine uh, because and basically doing guys that are at the combine. Um, I'll see if I can at least do two of those. I'll say Darian Kennard, maybe uh, like Kalichi Assembly, someone like that, uh, who's a really good guard, play tackle in college, could play, could have played tackle probably in the NFL, been well. So I think as a prospect, um, you know, maybe similar day two type of guy. Um, in some way had a, a, probably is a little rich. Maybe that's a high end comp. Um, Pascal, I'll say another high end comp as an NFL player would be Sam Hubbard. Maybe, uh, maybe that's a good one for him. Um, I think he plays with that kind of tenacity. Yusef Corker is tough. I don't know. I don't have anyone spring to mind for him, but, uh, if they talk to me in a couple of weeks. I'll have an article out. I'll have it. We'll we'll leave the Kentucky fans uh, uh, yearning for the 
Yusef Corker comp. And uh, a lot of that wound up being athleticism size, you know, that kind of thing. I'll say this about Darian Kennard. I liked him a lot more before the senior bowl. Yeah. That, that, that bad all around or it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't, I just, I wasn't feeling it after uh, cause yeah, you hear a lot about him moving inside the guard and his worst reps came inside a guard to me. So I, uh, Little down on Canard after that. Uh, let's get to some. We got a couple of uh, questions in the comments here. Uh, probably should have asked this when Kent was on, but good buddy Jimmy Williams, there, one of the scouts for the Hula Bowl, uh, does stuff for NFL Draft Diamonds. Uh, validity of facilities that run pro days. Uh, so I, I think, you know, kind of hit on it. You hit on it. You know, you talk like LSU and you talk to Ohio State. Um, I think we're seeing more facilities move to the laser timing, which will Im- improve the validity of those times. So I think we're getting there. Some of those SEC schools probably never will, but um, I think it's getting there. But that's uh, it's why NFL teams, they hand time with their own guys at everything. And that's why they do it, because they don't have to trust anyone else. Charlie Casserly. I love that guy. Uh Guy has a couple of questions. Guy, frequent uh, listener to the show, uh, com- uh, usually asks a good question every week. He's got two this week, Shane. Christian Harris, Devontae Wyatt, Boye Mafe, Tess Will. Could they sneak into the back of the first? We've talked about Mafe a lot already. Yes. The answer is definitely yes with him. Devontae Wyatt? Yep. Yep. Uh, Christian Harris? No. I-, I think he could if he tests well. I just, I, the first. I just I, the, the, that position value is. I, I'm starting to like wonder if like even Devin Lloyd and Nakobe Dean or are they sure locked up first round guys? I think Lloyd is. I think Dean has to test well at his size. If he has a poor combine, I think he falls out. And Harris has to have both. So that's my. my I thing. think I think Harris and like I said, even Lloyd and Dean, we could all be restacking the board for uh, night two, and they're all still sitting there. Wouldn't surprise me a bit, especially if we're talking this number of edge guys and defensive line guys are going in the first round. I mean, somebody's got to go. And I think those linebackers might be uh, might be some of those guys that go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, guys, other question? Aquanu, one – I. I'm assuming he's talking about like a one gap scheme, something something like that. I'm not I'm not sure how to. Uh... Yeah, I mean I I don't know. Um, you know, I mean gap scheme is usually for for Defense. defensive players, right? Yeah. So I mean, I guess usually offense you run a half gap. Uh, ultimately, I guess if you want to take up more ground, maybe more of a zone blocking scheme is probably what he's talking about. Um, I think he can. I think he showed this year that he has that ability. I would definitely rather have him in more of a, you know, more of a power gap run scheme. Um, you know, obviously it's what he played at NC State, but I think he could have the requisite athletic ability. We'll, we'll see a lot of this combine if he works out um, where he can fit. I just want him on my team. I don't really oh, yeah, care please. what kind of scheme I'm running at. He, he, zone scheme, zone scheme. That that was a typo there for a guy. He, he comes back. Oh, okay. No, we're good. I guessed it. I guessed it right. So that's all right. Good, good, good. Okay. Sorry about that, guy. Um, so yeah. 
So, all right, that's uh, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown podcast. Any anything else to add, Shane? No, it's good. Uh, you know, check check it out. We'll have all the combine preview stuff coming up, and um, you know, we're live streaming the combine. So check out the YouTube channel. We'll have it up on the site, but you can come in the chat, hang out with us, ask questions. We'll be watching it uh, on NFL Network and giving live commentary all four days. Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've still got uh, my my uh, team mock draft series is continuing. Uh, have the Jets and Seahawks coming up on Friday. Uh, put those two together since the Jets have the Seahawks first round pick. I thought it was just be fun to kind of put those two together there on on friday and saturday and sunday me and shane will be previewing the combine uh coming up i'll have the defense coming for you on saturday shane the offense coming on sunday and then we'll have you know i'll have a mock draft coming up on monday with some trades baby one round mock only one round but we're doing some trades this week so uh have a little fun with that um so yeah that's going to do it for tonight's edition of the draft countdown podcast Everybody, uh, wherever you find your podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, whatever, give us a five-star review and uh, so we can get that get the word out on the Draft Count on Podcast. The numbers are going up every week, Shane. Uh, more and more people listen to this show every week now uh, as we've gotten uh, through the season. That's a testament to our listeners uh, getting the word out, I do believe. If you follow us and watch us on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the channel. Where uh, the numbers on that going up too, Shane, the number of subscribers on the channel. And uh, we want you to hit that notification bell, like the videos and uh, let's get the, let's get that out, that YouTube algorithm uh, going up for a little bit, get the draft countdown YouTube channel going there as well. Follow me on Twitter at deep fried draft, follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam, follow draft countdown on Twitter to get to see all of the work that comes out. It's, it's going to go there at draft countdown, DraftCountdown.com, daily content every day between now and the NFL Draft, live combine streams next week, as Shane talked about. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.